Hey everyone, thank you for joining me tonight. This is Joe. I'm going to stand here with my wife, Kelly. And this <laughs> is the modern heathen man. I guess modern heathen woman, too, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm coming in tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the nine realms and what we think about them and how they affect us specifically. Um, where they're found, where we can find them. How do we get to them? What do we know about them? What are the nine realms? And why are there nine? What does the number nine have to do with anything? But anyway, so we're going to get to that in a little bit, and we'll go over that. So um, we're looking at maybe just discussing a little bit together about that and letting you guys listen in either way. So I look forward to it. So with that said, I want to thank you guys for joining us here tonight. Grab yourself a cup. Grab yourself a horn. Grab yourself some mead. Grab yourself some wine, some cider. Whatever you'd like to drink, just grab yourself one of those. Sit back, relax, and join us for the Modern Heathen Man. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. I was looking for some new stuff for my beard, and I was looking around and I wanted something my wife would like as well. I was looking for a good product that didn't leave my beard feeling greasy, that nourished it and kept it moist and had a good scent to it as well. Um, so in discussing with my wife, we tried a few different things and I found this wonderful heathen place called Beast Curiosities. Now they don't just offer beard oil, they have quite a few different products available through them. Um, you definitely want to go ahead and check them out at beastcuriosities.com. But I specifically tried the beard oil. Um, I tried Hell's Respite, I tried Tears Loyalty, and I tried, give me one second, Yord's Wilderness. All of these were really great beard oils. They all had wonderful scents that lasted a long time and would stay with me throughout the whole day. They nourished my beard and kept it good. And they also made it that it felt nice and was good to smell. And other people around me liked it quite a bit. So when you actually get in their oils, they tried really hard to produce an oil that does what it says it's gonna do while nourishing your beard as well. They tried a few products till so they got the great one together and they call it their magical beard oil. I will tell you, it is magical. It smells great. Even after going to the pool with my wife for about three hours, my beard still smelled great and felt great. So with that said, I'm going to tell you to go ahead and check them out. Again, they're not only beard oil, but Beast Curiosity is a place you want to go. BeastCuriosities.com. You can also email him and check out his products at Beast at beastcuriosities.com. They have a Twitter account at BS Curiosities, and you can also find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash beastcuriosities. You definitely want to go out and get some of this if you have a beard. It is a wonderful product, something great to use. My wife and her friends all love this product quite a bit. So go ahead and get it if you get a chance, guys. It's a wonderful product. Thank you, guys, and have a great day. Okay, Ron, we are back, and I want to thank you again for joining us. Um, let's start talking about the nine worlds, the nine realms um, that there are. Um, they're the homelands of various types of beings found in our mythology and in the um, Norse and Germanic peoples' mythology. 
Um, they're held up by the branches of the tree and the roots of Yggdrasil. Although none of the sources for our present knowledge um, of the North mythology and religion describes exactly where in or around Yggdrasil they fit. Um, so we kind of just guess where they fit. We kind of just place them there. But we know that they're there. We also know that they are specifically invisible but can manifest themselves in different places. Um, case in point, hell will sometimes overlap the grave and literally be underground. Um, there's a couple others. Um, Jotunheim, Jotunheim uh, sometimes overlaps with um, the physical wilderness. Um, so we know that that is also one of the ones overlap the, the thing. And Asgard will overlap the sky that we can you know, sometimes see Asgard and stuff. So with that said, let's talk about the first few worlds. Obviously, Midgard. We know the most about Midgard. Yeah, because we live there. We live there. Right? This is the realm of humans and where humans dwell um, while they're in life. This is where humans dwell. Um, we're here. The gods also dwell with us here. They can disguise themselves as different people or be themselves and come here and hang out with us. And You know, there's plenty of spirits here. There's... All types of. Um, We've got the whites and the, the, the elves and all right. sorts of. Like they, yeah, we only have the elves here because, again, well, they can manifest from their world, right. which is all fun. I was going to say, because, you know, it, it's kind of like ours is the stopping ground for everybody, too. It's kind of right. like Grand Central Station because everybody can come from everywhere and, and visit here and right. go back to their own little wherever or travel to wherever they're going to. It's I think they just like. I think they just like kind of come in here to cause problems for the gods, to be honest with you, because well, this is the yeah. gods, you know, yeah. God's play world. Yeah, this is their, their sandbox. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a gamer term for it, it's their sandbox. Yeah. So yeah. Midgard is the one that we live in. We know that it's encompassed all life that we know on Earth. Um, we know what happens here. We know there's um, different things that go on here. There's different battles that go on here on a right. daily basis. The gods do visit here, visit us. We know that Odin especially likes to disguise himself and come here as different people. And even um, Thor disguises himself coming through with his little um, chariot with goats. Yeah. Although today I don't know how the chariot with goats would do. Um, I do like the... I'm pretty sure he, he's, you know... Evolved into something that, right? Would, you know. Well, I was gonna say I do like the Neil Gaiman's version of um, American, American Gods. Gods. Yeah, of Odin. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, the Odin yeah. is a very updated. Character. No, he's not even updated. He has an old car. Well, he yeah, hangs out on an old ride. Isn't it one of the ravens? It's actually the car or something like that, if I remember right. I believe so. Yeah, or Slepnir. Slepnir. Yeah, Slepnir. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he takes his. He evolved himself, though, to... Right, he mani re-manifests everything yeah. to a little more modern. But it is an old car for the time. I mean, come on. But the best the best portrayal of a goddess mm -hmm. in that, or god or goddess in that show has to be Ostara. Yeah, Ostara's pretty cool. I mean, she is, like, the epitome of the person who played her is mm -hmm. one of my favorite actresses. And she played her perfectly. Right. With that sweet and innocent and spring-like right. appeal, and then when she got mad, who right. did she get mad? <laughs> One of the things I liked about it is it shows how they do interact with people on Earth, right? and that people may not know who they are, even though they give hints to who they are consistently. I mean, he called himself Wednesday. I mean, that's just, 
you know, Odin's Day. Mr. Yeah, Odin's Day, Mr. Odin's Day, Odin right. Fogger. Um, so, I mean, that was pretty cool. And I like how, um, you know, he's just disguised as an older gentleman and, you know, having a good time. And he's very, I don't know, I, I like the guy who did him as the actor. Ian McShane? Yeah, because he's very, like, um, subdued but out there, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He's, Kind of got a gruff exterior, but he's like, he's got a twinkle in his eye. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I think Odin would actually be, you know, he's got this gruff mm-hmm. demeanor, but he's got this mischievous twinkle in his eye. Right. So the next world um, I want to talk about, well, there's actually two, and this is where it gets a little strange. You know, we have Asgard and we had Vanaheim. Right. So the Aesir and Vanir, Asgard is obviously for the Aesir, and Vanaheim is for the Vanir. Vanir. Right. So Heim means home. Right. So you know, these are the homes of the gods and goddesses. Right. Both of them. And if you notice, Midgard and Asgard are the two that don't have Heim in them because they're places full of people, but they're not meant to stay there. Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but that's what, you know, it's really yeah, well in hell, of course. We get glimpses of, of um, Asgard all the time. I mean, I think right. I see that every time I see a rainbow anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a look at that Bifrost Bridge. And, yep. and sometimes the clouds, you just look at them and you imagine that those could be, you know, the clouds about, you know, sitting on clouds. Yeah. Like that Asgard. Yeah. Me and my son the other day, we, uh, <laughs> we had a really bad rainstorm here. So on our way home, we saw a really beautiful rainbow and we decided to, to find out if the myths were true. And find the end of the rainbow. And ironically, I mean, we found the end a couple times. What we thought was the end, because every time we came up on the end, it would move farther away. You know, what was it that you said, Kel? I don't remember. There's a phrase, you're as likely to get the gold as you are oh, to find. Oh, the, the actual old Irish saying is, you're as likely to find the, a pot of gold as you are the end of the rainbow. Right. So, you know, it was really cool because we spent... I don't know, I want to say maybe about a half hour chasing this one single rainbow. And I filmed it. I I mean, it was really cool. His interaction was really neat. And he wanted to find this rainbow to go across it and see Asgard or find a pot of gold. Or he wanted to see if all the myths he knew of were true. So, But we never really got to the end of this rainbow. And no matter what, every time we got to where we thought the rainbow ended, where we saw it end, it would be farther away again. Right. But it was was cool for him to do. It was a cool you know, interaction and, and hearing his commentary on this short little video that you guys did mm-hmm. was like, I was having a bad day at work and this was like the highlight of my day. So it was yeah. great. It was pretty cool, actually. So Vanaheim is a world that I really don't know much about. Obviously, it's the homeland of the Vanir. It's one of the nine worlds. It's in Yggdrasil, as we know. Um the information on North mythology um, for this piece comes from the taunting of Loki, one of the poems in the Poetic Edda, which states that the Vanir god, Njord, went eastward when he went to Asgard as the hostage at a conclusion of the Aesir-Vanir War, presumably then Vanaheim lies somewhere to the west of Asgard. So, Snorri Storlson writes about it. However, there's one authentic and reliable Old Norse poem that mentions Vanaheim by name, so we can be reasonably certain that it was a genuine element of the pre-Christian Norse religion. Um, So the claim to Vanaheim was inverted by the 13th century Icelandic Christian historian poet Snorri Storlson is not true. Um, So it's a... 
Inengard and Utengard. That which is Inengard inside the fence is orderly, law-abiding, and civilized, while that which is Utengard beyond the fence is chaotic, anarchic, and anarchic, and wild. So that's what's going on up there in um, Vanaheim. So it, you know, it's what it sounds like is it almost sounds like there's a piece of it that is civilized, but the rest is like wild wilderness, you know, and that's where the um, Vanir live in the civilized area, right. you know, with a fence that keeps them safe. Now we know a lot about Asgard. We've been explained Ad Asgard so many times, mm -hmm. um, very in-depthly. Yeah. From, from multiple sources. And, right. Yes, to me, like looking at certain depictions of Asgard, um, I think that's sometimes where the Christians got their idea of heaven from. I think so too. I mean, the, the golden because city up on the hill with you yeah. never really hear in the Bible or in the, in the biblical text what heaven's going to look like. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, in our modern day thing, it's, it looks more like Asgard than what I would consider it to look like in the, in the books of the Bible. I'm going to be religious here for a second, guys. I'm sorry with my degree in religion. John the Revelator gives an exact account of what heaven looks like, even by the size, shape. He gives miles, how long it is, how wide it is. It's a cube with two great pearls that enter. The walls are made of um, rubies and diamonds. I mean, he describes it perfectly. I still think it came I believe you there, but you said there was no description of it in I the don't Bible. Remember it, so. Okay, but there is a description either way. So, with that said, he always has to like argue with me. I'm not arguing. I'm telling you, there's. I'll show you where it is. I won't argue with you. I'll just show you where it no, is. That's all right. Okay. No, because no, you always have to prove me wrong. So. But you are wrong. <laughs> I don't have to prove you wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> We'll let them decide. Anyway, with that said, Asgard, you know, I, I do believe that the idea of heaven does come from Asgard as well. Um, just the, the description of Asgard that we've gotten is very close to the John the Revelator's description of heaven and what he believes it to look like. I mean, even unto, you know, the, the guy, Christ, that says, you know, in my father's house are many mansions, you know, you automatically picture huge expanses of mansions, and it's the picture of Asgard. I mean, I'm not saying Asgard's Christian by any means. Don't get that from me. I'm just saying it's funny how the two co-mingle a bit there right. for some stuff. It's right. kind of strange. Once again, it makes show where, you know, Christianity took an idea that was Norse pagan and made it their own. I'm just saying. So with that said, I'm going to take a break here for a moment. I know it's really deep right there for a second for you guys, and I apologize. But we will take a break here for a moment. When we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the world. And look forward to um, talking then. So I'm going to put a couple of promos up here for some great heathen businesses um, that offer some really good stuff. And I actually have another heathen business soon um, that makes Thor's hammers um, that actually forges them. So as soon as he gets with me and we get some information from him, I'm putting him up. So I'll be back and I'll talk to you in a few moments, guys. Hey guys, Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. How are you guys tonight? I hope I'm meeting you well. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, while I'm out traveling, it's not always feasible to carry my whole big altar box with me. So sometimes I like a little something in my pocket. And I found a great place to get that from. That's Odin's Beard Woodworking 
great little place out there. It makes small little pocket altars for you with candles and um, gods and everything in them, little sayings and such. Wonderful work that this man does. Carves everything by hand. He has a couple things going on here. He has little pocket altars that I'm talking about for $25. He has small deity poles of five to six inches for $40. Seven to eight inches for $45. Nine to 10 for 50. And 11 to 12 for 60. He has 26 different deities to choose from and more coming every day. Your choices right now are Odin, Thor, Tyr, Loki, Freyr, Balder, Bragi, Hemdal, Njord, Fenrir, Ullr, Vidar, Hermod, Hel, Freya, Ostri, Scotty, Sif, Air, Frigg, Var, Thrud, Idun, Sigun, Ran, and Yord. That's a lot of different gods to choose from. So you can meet anybody's needs. Tell them what you want. You can go ahead and find him at www.odinsbeardwoodworking.com. He also has a Facebook page, and I know he does some stuff live every once in a while that you can actually watch him carve those things. Anyway, give him a good uh, look-see there and see if he has something that you can use. I guarantee his little pocket ultras will come in handy for you. So anyway, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Guys, we're back. Thank you for joining us. My wife thinks I should do the rest of the thing myself now. Because while you were away, I sure um John the Revelator's description of it. How precise was it, Kelly? Yeah. I mean tell her how precise it was. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was. How many cubits long was it? 144 cubits. But anyway, we won't get into that, which is 1,400 miles long. No, that wasn't right. You want to bring it back up? Yeah, because it was something stadia that was 1,400 right. miles, and then the walls were 144 cubits thick. Yeah. Right, he did yeah. human measurements, yeah. 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 So, so, so you were wrong on Okay, that I was wrong on that sentence. So, let's talk about Jotunheim. <laughs> what do you think's in Jotunheim? Giants. Yeah, the world of the giants. What do you I think, think that's where you came from? Maybe. <laughs> I am pretty big. <laughs> What do you think Jotunheim looks like? I think it's big. Okay. When I think of Jotunheim, I kind of think of Jack and the Beanstalk. I do too. I was thinking just that a couple <laughs> seconds ago, you know? That sounds so crazy, but that's what I think about. Like the, the whole idea that there's castles and stuff in the sky. And, right. and I don't know why I think that, but I think of them as individual castles, not, not together like Asgard and not right. together like. Manahan, like it's not one cohesive like kingdom, it's more like scattered. I don't gotcha. know why I think that, but that's what I think. Well, in the Eddas, it says the dwelling places of the giants are described as deep, dark forests with mountain peaks where winter never eases its grip, and similarly, inhospitable and grim landscapes. And this certainly seems to be how the heathen Norse and other Germanic people symbolically visualize the invisible Jotunheim itself. So this is where we get the idea that Jotunheim can sometimes intermingle with the woods. Because if we could see, um, like, the you know, in the winter's grip, when we're most... Okay, so for them, you know, the darkness came because of where they were, the, right. the northern part of the world, you know. Darkness came and lasted for a long time. Right, That's exactly. the part that most of us don't understand. Well, I think if you go to, like, the Alps or something, you could definitely consider that. Like, Jotunheim. Jotunheim. Yeah. I mean, if they traveled as far as... I mean, even Alaska. Alps, Look at Alaska. I could yeah. see Alaska being Jotunheim. But I mean, if they traveled as far south as the Alps, 
and they saw these huge mountains in front of them that were covered in snow yep. all year long. And these huge yeah, winter never forests. gave up its grip. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they could consider that the home of giants. Because only giants could get up there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, to me, I always think of Jack and the Beanstalk with his language. Fi, fo, come. The, oh. the environment where it's saying? like just little, little because it's so expensive. Like us running around these giant people walking yeah, around, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of they're just so disconnected in a way. Like there's, they, you know, on one cloud is or one mountain is this giant, and you know, like let's say one's on um, Mount Everest, and then right. there's one on Kilimanjaro, and then there's one on one of the the, the volcanoes in Iceland, and there's right. one on a volcano in in Hawaii. They're so separated. They're right. They don't get to deal with. Kingdom. Yeah, they don't get to deal with each other. Right. Almost like the trees and um. Oh, what's that? The, the Lord of the Rings, Rings where they're kind of separate. They never really talk to each other. Yeah. Because it takes ends, them so the, long. The, the ends, the, the moving trees. Yeah, yeah. They, they never really get to be counseled yeah. because they it takes them so long to get to one another. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. And they they talk only when the wind blows. Right. And they creak. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I can see it yeah. like that. Just with giants. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost like Fraggle Rock kind of thing where they're kind of separate from them, but they're the same. Because, like, they all live in a little yeah, hole. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's one world, but the Fraggles live in one place and the Giants live yeah, in another. Yeah. yeah. So and the like humans the live in another, right? We're like the, you know, no, we're the humans. <laughs> You've got the Fraggles, which are the thing. And, yeah, Alfheim there. You know, that's Alfheim and that's the Jotunheim with the trash heap that lives there, right? Yeah. I get it. I mean, that's, that's a good analogy, seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, you know, that's kind of my thoughts on the whole thing. The next one is my favorite, Nephilim. Because you like the cold. I love the cold. I, I can't mean, stand the cold. I, you know, I love the cold so much. <sighs> you know, again, I look at this as the barren wasteland of, like, Antarctica. And you would love to live in Antarctica. I would. Penguins. Yep. You and a little penguin that'd be running around having a good time. Yep. So it's only, Nephilim is only found in the world that works with snoring and is often interchangeable with the word Nephil or Nephil hell, a poetic embellishment of hell, the world of the dead. Nephil hell is found in Old Norse poems that are much older than Snorri's work. It's entirely possible that the word Nephilim is an invention of Snorri's, in all honesty. It's impossible to know whether the attendant concept is of similarly late and spurious, what? Spurious. spurious origins. I'm reading somebody else's thing about it. So, you know, I I just picture it, whether it is or not, I could picture the, the old Norse viewing a barren wasteland of ice in like Greenland. Maybe yeah. Maybe entirely possible. Yeah. I mean, they lasted in Greenland as long as they could, but to them, that was like Nephilim. I mean, it had to be just maybe barren that's where and ice. Concept came from. Yeah. It is, this is the place you don't want to go to. Right. You know, Nephilim hell is not where you want to be. So, no, no, yeah, no, it's not. a place for the cold dead. Well, you know. You know, you, you could definitely live there. You would be happy as a clam there, and yeah. I would be like, I'm not coming to visit you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Now, I think that we live the last few months in the next world we want to talk about, which is Muspelheim. Yeah, I'm not happy with that either. Yeah, Ohio is almost a Muspelheim, apparently, from what I understand. Really? Well, it was as hot as it was up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember one time in, um, we lived in Utah, 
And it was such a hot summer that people's shoes were melting to the sidewalk. Well, that was, your sister it was Nevada. Was yeah, Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, we lived in Utah at the time. I remember it was right. such a hot it was, summer. Yeah, yeah. It was like 120 about every day. Yep. One of her actual plastic planter pots that she had on her porch literally melted to goo. Yeah. It was really weird how hot it was. And I think of Muspelheim like that, you know. And I've been to Hawaii. I've been on the, um, you know, the volcanic, the volcanic um, lava there and stuff and how hot it is. And it smells like sulfur all the time. And, you know, it's really weird. But I've been there. I can picture Muspelheim. But I think they've pictured this in Iceland. Because Iceland had such activity of volcanic stuff, they could see Muspelheim mixed with um, uh, well, Midgard. I mean, Midgard, Niflheim, and Muspelheim uh, all coming together there. I think you yeah. can see that in a place like Iceland. So this is a way to describe their environment. You've got the cold and the mm -hmm. ice, and you don't think it's ever going to end. Right. You've got this volcanic activity of heat and fire, and, right. and you've got the, the life-giving Midgard. So you've got right. all three of them together. Well, I'm saying you I have like. Midgard, Jotunheim, um, Niflheim, and Muspelheim all in one place, and or Jotunheim, too, all in one place right there in Iceland for them. I mean, this this was their, you know, stomping ground, and I think this is where, you know, they yeah, could see all of these coming together. Like, we talked about how they're invisible and they sometimes mix I mean, the world. Even in Norway and Sweden, you can see some of Yeah, but not well. as much as you can in Iceland. The fjords and stuff in Norway, especially, you can see the differences in the... Yeah, but they don't do volcanic stuff. That's what I'm saying. But, but not maybe not the volcanic stuff, but you can see, like, that. Cause isn't that where the giants... Um, Causeway is yeah. the footprint, like the um, the col columnar stones in the, yeah. in, the, in the water that like look like the giant, giant staircase. Giant so staircase, like, yeah. So it, like, it looks like it's going up the, the fjords and stuff like that, right. if I remember right. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I could see where they could see all these worlds coming together in one place, and that would be Iceland. Right. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. But Muspelheim, you know, it's just a world of fire. Just a primeval world of fire where... Everything is volcanic. And, and that's where Sert and his fire giants and stuff come mm -hmm. from. Exactly. So yeah, well, you've got Niflheim where you've got the ice giants and the frost giants coming Right. From. So well, again, the giants right there. Right. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So the world of Muspelheim is recorded only in the Prosetta of Snorri Sturluson, a late work that can't be taken at face value. I don't know why, as representing authentic pre-Christian Norse mythology. You know, the, the guy that I'm reading from has a really big problem with Snorri Snorlston. I don't. I think that Snorri did the best he could to um, translate what he had. Well, we have to remember that most of this was an oral tradition as right. well at the time. I mean, they did have some writings because we have the right. ones. Well, we even have problem, you know, deciphering what is actually said. That's why there's so many translations of the the have them all uh, because we even today have problems right. fully understanding what they were saying. Right. So, but I, th I think there's, you know, you're going mostly on an oral mm -hmm. tradition. It's not like the Greeks who had writings every, you know, on paper, well, papyrus right. or whatever, or the Egyptians who had papyrus. Right. You don't have that 
rich written history that you have right. in those places. So you're going along with an oral tradition, you're learning, you're, you're taking the stories of it, that have been handed from generation to generation, and yeah, they probably changed and right. adapted, and you know, maybe they have this where he was from, but they don't have it where somebody else is from. Right. You know, it, it could be a multiple different things. And even today, you know, you're getting... Listening to the news, right. using this as an example, that's an oral tradition for us, even though it's, you know, recorded and kept and we keep digital copies of everything. Right. But, you know, this reporter may have a totally different point of view than this reporter, may have a totally different point of view from this reporter, right. or this network, or this station, or this thing or the other thing. So you can get five different views from the same event. And I'll yeah, look, look at the State of the Union address. I mean, there's, everybody wants to comment on Everybody has their own commentary as to right. who won, who did this, who did that, what the, what the rebuttal was, whether it was good or whether it was bad. Exactly, yeah. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, it's all on how things are taken and how, you know, what tradition, what kindred, what, what right. he was involved in. And maybe this is the way that where he grew up, this, these are the Nikeans. Maybe somebody else had five. Maybe somebody right. else had two. Maybe somebody else had 25. Who right. knows? Well, I will say that, you know, the, the niche part about Nephilheim and Muspelheim is they are featured in the creation story. Right. I really like and that. Story. Yeah, and the destruction story. Exactly. Especially, um, Muspelheim. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the fire comes from, and Sert, like you said. Um, we come back, we'll talk about the last few, um, Alfheim and Svartelheim and Hell, of course. So when we come back, we'll talk about those, and give us a few moments. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, this is Joe at Modern Heathen Man. How are you all today? Hoping you're having a good and uh, great day. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about this YouTube channel that I found called Midgard Musings. It's by a man named Jesse, and it is incredible. He has new videos uploaded on the channel every Sunday night, and he has a live Facebook stream every Sunday at 7 p.m. Um, Central Standard Time. Midgard Musings' goal is to help build heathen communities around the world with educational content and laid-back fun manner. He values the historical aspect of this path and uses it to help us grow and develop as heathens in modern times. So if you've been a heathen for a while or just brand new to it, definitely check it out. It's something worthwhile. If you'd like to support Midgard Musings by subscribing to youtube.com forward slash Midgard Musings, following on Facebook and purchasing merchandise from the Teespring and Redbubble stores, Redbubble, say that three times, all of which can be found on the YouTube channel video description. Midgard Musing also offers handmade driftwood rune sets for sale, and the purchase of these items help support the channel. Just to touch base on that a little bit, I actually own one of those rune sets. They are incredibly nice, good feel, wonderful stuff, good power within them. I'm telling you, worthwhile checking out. So please head on over to Midgard Musings, like and subscribe to the channel, and follow on Facebook and on YouTube at facebook.com slash midgardmusings and youtube.com slash midgardmusings. M-I-D-G-A-R-D-M-U-S-I-N-G-S. We'll find you that Midgard Musings. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Hey, everyone, we are back. Thank you for joining us. Um, you have those promos for those heathen businesses. You know, they're all about heathens helping heathens. So... Let's talk about the last three worlds. 
Alfheim. Alfheim. And now it's not where Alf's from. Maybe. And they don't eat cats there. Maybe. I don't think so. So Alfheim, of course, is um, not really described in the sources, but we assume that it's there. Um, the Vanir god Freyr is said to be the ruler of Alfheim. Scholars have long puzzled over what to make of this, and no holy satisfaction conclusion has ever been put forth. The relationship between the elves and the Vanir is highly ambiguous and involves considerable overlap between the two groups. Um, Freyr's position as Lord of Alfheim, therefore, while hard to interpret with much precision, it shouldn't be entirely surprising. Um, Alfheim, isn't this where everything's forged? No. No. Where is everything forged? That's where the dwarves are. That's the, right. the next okay. one. Okay. Alfheim is where they have the, um, where you told me, it's like where they have the agriculture. And stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 where the farms are. Yeah. Yeah. Where they have the, um, this is where I knew his apples came right. from and such. So um, the elves are described as being luminous and more beautiful than the sun. So you may suppose that their homeland was a gracious realm of light and beauty, although the realms that comprise the nine worlds of the Norse cosmology are never realistic. We don't know where they actually fit again. So that's Alfheim. I don't know. I don't really picture Alfheim very much. I don't do much um, stuff about it. So, so when, when I was reading the Rick Gordon series, uh -huh. um, they, they they did a whole trilogy on the um, gods of the Norse the Norse myth and stuff, and I think it was the second one. He travels to Alpine. Okay. And they describe them as like the the elves in the Lord of the Rings, very tall, very elegant, very willowy, mm -hmm. very ethereal. Right. But Liv Tyler kind of elves, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that that whole thing. But they also describe them very. <laughs> As very affluent, so they're like they, they have a modern society there. Right. Everything's based on kind of a modern society in his books. Um, it's a very modern society, but the cars are sleek and silver, like chrome, like chrome all from right. top to bottom, and the homes are multi-million-dollar homes. Every single one uh, of them, even the poorest of them, have multi-million-dollar right, homes. Right, gotcha. so, so they're kind of like the the Hollywood elite. Right. The, the nine realms. Gotcha. But it was a really cool description. But there's also a lot of open spaces, right. a lot of wild spaces, um, like miles and miles and miles between houses and homes, right. and this would be filled with wildflowers and sunflowers. And they also had like a lot of the mythical creatures there that we think of, like gotcha. the whole dime. So like rich that. hippies. Pretty much, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the gotcha. real, the real hippies were in Folkvanger, you know, right, right. but with, with Freya. But yeah, I mean, it was almost like a, an affluent hippie society, gotcha. <laughs> dressed as yuppies, that's is what I would right. call it. Like that's how you kind of described it. It was really crazy, but beautiful. I mean, you described it very beautifully. Right. And then we get into Svartalheim. This is where everything is, is made. I remember now. Made. Yes, yes, yes. So this is where Loki likes to visit quite a bit yeah. and cause problems he and bite it. people. I don't think he, don't think he joking. likes dwarves very much. No, I'm no. not sure why that is, but he doesn't seem to like them. Yeah, it's one of the people I think he has a uh, predisposition against 
for some strange reason. He doesn't like them. Uh, they were at one time they're gonna chop off his head. Remember the story? Yeah. But they wouldn't. They, they, like, he couldn't touch his neck. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think you know. I think Loki looks down on them, but he knows that he needs them, and that's yeah. kind of the weird relationship that they have. Well, I think have. it's strange that so they create things for him, even though they don't like him. Right. So it's yeah. really strange, but I you know? Think it's almost like they, they realize what they're doing is venerating the other gods, so they just tolerate Loki as much as he tolerates them. Right, right. <laughs> it's a tolerant relationship. When I think of Spartalheim or... Um, uh-huh. What was the other name for it? Nildevaller. Yeah, Nildevaller. Yeah. I think of a very industrial place. I think of a, a black. Well, it says the dwarves are master smiths and craftsmen who live beneath the ground. Accordingly, Nildevaller and Svartalheim was probably thought of as a labyrinth, subterranean complex of mines and forges. Again, it, it shows back to Lord of the Rings. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's a, a movie mini series thing that I absolutely love. Right. And it's the Tenth Kingdom. Oh God, and, yes. <laughs> and literally, this has this in there. And I know. One of the it's like what is it? The Seventh Kingdom, I think, is the yeah. Kingdom of the Dwarves. And it really is the Kingdom of the Dwarves, and yep. they build magic mirrors there. And it is a labyrinth. It's under the mountains. Right. It's dwarven mountains. Well, just you know, it really goes to show how you know we're, we're mentioning all these things and how these things are showing us these places that we see. This goes to show how in the modern age that heathenry is really entwined. Yeah, how everything goes back to heathenry and how heathenry really has focused on and you know designed our world, whether right. people acknowledge it or not. I mean, they could call themselves Christians all they want, but all these things. Go back to heathenry and right. show us the, you know, the origins All of these heathenry. All these pop culture references yep. go back to these old stories, which right. is pretty cool. But so, like, literally, you have to to go into the land of the dwarves in this in this mini series. You have to go through a dragon's mouth, down right. a tunnel, down a slide, into these old mirror, like into this old place, and they actually broke the magic mirror. If you've ever seen, yeah, it. yeah. So <laughs> they have to go through and. Um, like find out who who has the other magic mirrors and stuff, and they have to go talk to the dwarves. Stuff, and the dwarves are very closed up; they don't like to talk to anybody. But that goes back to the Lord of the Rings as well, where they all the, the whole dwarf kingdom is very shut off. Right. So you know, in the Volspa, it only mentions Nidavaller one time and only one time, and it said there stood in the north in Nidavaller the Golden Hall. Of Sindri's family. That's it. Sindri is a dwarf mentioned elsewhere um, in the literature for different things that he did. But um, uh, let me see here. I think he's the guy that made the hammer. Made the hammer. Right. And the um, Gungnir. Yeah. Yep. This was Loki's contest to see who can make the better gifts for the gods. That's right. And this is the guy he was biting like a fly. Yes. He turned right. himself into a gnat and was yep. biting at his ear to distract yep. him. And that's why Thor's hammer handle is too short. Right. You know, and then they, they describe the elves as black elves, which is the other thing. And Snorri's um, description of what's going on there. Right. Which is kind of weird and everything else. But, yeah. So that is... Um, 
Need a dollar or a spark. Spark behind, right. And the last one, of course, is hell, where we all hope to go one day, or the other place, which is Valhalla. Yeah. And then there's a couple yeah, other places. Right. There's, there's a couple other places, places we can go, right? Um, so we, oh, we, we all know. Also, also end up in right. <laughs> hell is the underworld. Um, like the physical grave, hell was thought to be located underground. Some sources also place at the north, which is down, which is the normal direction for north for the the Vikings in the north. For some reason, they considered north downs. I don't know why, but that was to them. It was down. I think because they were so far north of the um, actual compass north, they well, would face south. Be. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be that some of them were up in the Arctic Circle. Right. It could be that like. Maybe because that's where the cold actually came from, right. the north wind and stuff like that, which would bring winter, was where the cold came from. So you automatically right. think of that as the colder place and a down. And maybe that's where right. that compasses work, too. You know, that's always something to consider. Uh, maybe tomorrow we'll talk about death in the afterlife. I wrote a really long thing about death in the afterlife. A couple months ago, yeah. Yeah, a couple months ago. Really good. Yeah. So, you know, this is the... Hella owns hell, obviously. This is her specific place. When you die, um, she gets her choice first, whether you get to stay with her or go to Valhalla. But only no, if you're a warrior. No, Freya gets Freya, to take the people to Volkvanger. Right. Volkvanger, which is the people's home. Mm-hmm. And she gets the choicest um, The goodest people and warriors, right. Okay. Basically, you're having an everlasting party with her. Is right. What it's described as with her. And then, but you have to die in battle for that. Right. And then, in Valhalla, of course, everybody knows you have to die in battle. Battle to get to Valhalla. And then you take them by the Valkyries to right. get to there. And then, hell is where most of us who aren't going to die in battle. Unless we die at sea. Unless we die at sea. Or we're really bad people. Or we're really Bad people. Right. But most of us are going to go to hell and just continue our lives as they were here in life. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of nice because, you know, when, when you look at the, the Christian habit, don't you think you'd get bored of singing praises to God all day long? I don't know. I guess if you're a Christian, you wouldn't. I think that, that would get boring. That's why we're not Christians. Exactly. So you know, I want to spend time with my kids, and, and you know, I want to go see other stuff. Yeah, I want to go hang out in Jupiter for a little bit and <laughs> see what it's like there, Saturn. You know, maybe we can do that in hell. Maybe yeah, maybe you never know. Maybe you're allowed to travel to different dimensions, and different realms. Realms, and that'd be cool. You know, go visit Alpine for the day. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. To go visit Alpine or or yep. Jotunheim or Nilfheim. And- I want to hang out with Hemdall. Yeah. You know, just hang out yeah. with him, chill with him, see what he sees. See what he sees. Yeah. Or does yep. see? Yep. <laughs> What's the name of the uh, the hawk that's on top? The hawk doesn't have uh, the the eagle. hawk doesn't have a no, name. No, the hawk has a name. The eagle doesn't have a name. I can't remember. It's, yeah, it's a really long name. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. I really like that name. That's what I want to go see. Hold on. Oh, we're getting some dead air here. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Here. Uh, Volthor. V-E-T-H-R-F-O-L-N-I-R. 
Wolfolnir. 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 Yeah, get, get, try Wolfolnir. To get, try to get our kindred to say that one. Yeah, yeah. They had a hard enough time with the Yeah. So, all right, well, that is the, the nine realms. We know that nine shows up quite a bit. Um, Otis, Odin's self-sacrifice hung on the tree for nine windy days, nights. Hemdal was born of nine mothers. Freyr had to wait nine nights for his marriage to Gerd. Um, Scotty and Yord lived alternately for nine days in Noten and Thrymheimer. Every ninth night, eight equal heavy rings dripped from the ring, um, dropped near. Um, a lot of nines. Thor can make nine steps at Ragnarok after his battle with the Midgard Serpent before he falls down dead. Um, sacrifice feasts lasting nine days are mentioned for both Uppsala and Lear, and these supposedly nine victims were sacrificed each day. So nine has a really um, big play in Norse mythology, and the nine realms, of course, go along with all that. That's the other nine. Um, what that all means, I don't know. Just nines we'll in a court. Yep. We yeah, we'll find out one day. I, I don't know. I'll make a little full finger. Really? I might. You never know. I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to see about all that. <laughs> wow. Sorry. That's anyway, wrong. you never know. Wow. With that said, guys, I want to thank you all for joining <laughs> us here at the Modern Heathen Man. Um, I hope you got something from this. I hope you had a little fun with it like we did. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining us. I tell you all have a wonderful evening, and we'll come to you tomorrow.